I've been getting a lot of emails from people about podcast episodes I've done in the past talking about my childhood and um, kind of the journey I've been through therapy and what I've learned and how that's helpful. And I would like to have more conversations like that. I am having a hard time finding uh, guests to talk about stuff like that with. So I want everybody listening to know that I, I, I am getting your emails and I would like to talk about more mental health stuff too. But I want to talk about it with the right people and the right kind of agenda. So, um, so that, that's, I, I, I hear you and I'm trying to get some more people to, to open up about their own processes um, and journeys. So hopefully coming soon, more of that, hopefully. In the meantime, today we're talking about hobbies, which actually to me ended up being kind of a mental health episode for me because during the course of discussing hobbies with Kathy and Kirsten, who have two very defined hobbies, or more than two, but each women have very defined hobbies, I discovered some things about myself um, that I think were really important. So even though this episode may seem light, I think it had some good, important moments in it where I kind of figured out how my perspective is not right about some things and how I'm functioning and where some of those perspectives may have come from and how I could maybe change them. So hopefully this turned into a mental health episode this just started out as uh, talking about hobbies. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Kathy and Kirsten. Kirsten has an Instagram uh, account called Read Run Sew. I think it is adorable. She sews all of her clothes. She hasn't bought any clothes in years. And she posts a picture a couple of times a week of what she's made. And it's so impressive. And she, you can see in her whole body and face how much joy she has in this picture. And it's so inspiring. So no haters, no haters on what she's making or, or that she's a middle-aged woman jumping for joy in her front yard every day. I think it's amazing and it's inspiring. And it's part of the reason I wanted to do this episode was because she derives so much joy from her hobby. And I'm curious to know about that. So hope you're curious too. Thank you for coming back week after week. Um, this is one of my hobbies. I love this hobby, and uh, I just want to keep doing this hobby, too. So thanks for supporting me in my hobby. You hear my puppy whining? Is that why you're like, she's dying to be in this podcast. She's dying to be in this room with me. She might have separation problems. I'm actually worried about what happens when quarantine's over, and I can actually leave the house on a regular basis. I think she's going to come undone, because all she's ever known is me home all day long, and she's not happy. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for coming back. I hope you enjoy this episode with Kathy and Kirsten about hobbies. <laughs> I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at
are you guys? I'm good. How are you? Good. Same, same. My lip's still swollen from a bang. Still Mm -hmm. have that knot. So I'm waiting on that to clear. But other than that, it does look way better. But I feel like I have this weird, like, dead spot in my mouth that doesn't move. (laughs) Because it's still Too much Botox. <laughs> it's still numb. I, it is, but it's still really numb. So I can't really. It's still really numb. I'm hoping that numb goes away. I think it will over time. It's less numb than it was last week, but it's still numb. Mm-mm. So I feel like I'm dragging that part of my mouth in a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you guys today. First of all, because I haven't talked to you in forever on my podcast forever. And uh, I wanted to talk about hobbies. I don't think I have any hobbies. And I think the two of you have hobbies. And uh, what are you laughing at? That's so funny because Stephen said, what are you talking about today? I was like, I'm not really sure. I think it might be hobbies, but like, I don't have any. So I don't know what the hell I'm going to say. Yes, you do. No. And then Stephen, of course, was like, sure you do. I was like, "Uh, okay. But so what you're saying, I feel like has a hundred hobbies that she does every day and is amazing yeah. at all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I have, well, I, I have like too many weight. hobbies. I need more job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet you are not alone in feeling that way. Yeah. But, but wait, Kathy, I want to know what hobbies Steven said you had. Well, I mean, obviously baking. I mean, well, yeah, you know, that's why I wanted you on the podcast. <laughs> that's a hobby. I guess technically it's a hobby. Uh, And then I was like, okay, so we also do a significant amount of like home repair remodel stuff, um, which at this point has maybe become a hobby, I guess. I don't know. Like we redo a lot of things Um, and I do a big portion of that. Not that he doesn't do that. Um, And then the only other thing that could potentially be a hobby (laughs) is uh, I'm slightly obsessed with succulents and like growing and whatnot, but mainly it's because I can't kill them. (laughs) It's the only thing I can't kill. Oh, I didn't know you were so obsessed with succulents. I love them, but I don't know enough about them. But yeah, I'm the same way. It's like they they thrive by benign neglect. So it's like, they're the greatest. (laughs) We're going to have to have a deep dive into that sometime. Hey, maybe I'm a succulent. I think I thrive through benign neglect. <laughs> I think that's exactly what I am. I'm a succulent. Oh, you just answered all my questions. <laughs> okay, we'll deep dive into you next. <laughs> and my lack of hobby. I was thinking about this because, Kirsten, I enjoy your Instagram post so much. And for people listening who are not subscribed to her Instagram, it's called Read, Run, Sew, right? <laughs> Yes, it's the most adorable. Uh, It's the most. It makes me happy every single day. Your little, you're you're adorable, and your poses are so positive. Do it every day. Like that's so impressive. I don't do it every day. I've only done it every day for the month of May, but it it feels like every day. (laughs) (laughs) It does, but that's impressive. Yeah. It's really impressive, and what's even more impressive, for those of you who don't know, one of Kirsten's hobby is, is sewing, and so everything you wear in those posts, you've made, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So correct. crazy. And so I thought gorgeous. to myself, like, go ahead, Kathy. I said they're gorgeous. Like, everything <laughs> you make is beautiful. 
Yeah. Oh, thank you. So, and fun and, and whimsical mm-hmm. and interesting and not something I could ever do. Not ever. And I know you say <laughs> I could, but I could not. That sewing machine over your shoulder would be thrown against the wall <laughs> and, and gleefully watched explode. I would be so but happy to watch that thing explode. Leanne, my family can attest to the fact that there's so much swearing that happens in this room. And they, like, they've had several interventions with me where they're like, is this fun or is it not? Because there's so much screaming and cursing and crying not anymore as much but um definitely for the first year and a half i was just like <laughs> just and crying and <laughs> <laughs> and you stuck with crying. it still yeah yeah that's impressive well you know i learned something um i i had read this years ago and i did not take it to heart which is that um, I heard the advice that everyone should have several um, several things that um, bring them identity. Like, so um, whether it's hobbies, work, whatever, that you need to have like a rounded um, amount of interests because inevitably something will get taken away. So for example, my um, Richard's grandmother was a painter. Her favorite hobby was painting. She painted these beautiful landscapes and then she went blind. Oh my goodness. And Terrible. so then it's like, so then what we, she was a fascinating woman and she, you know, she developed a lot of other hobbies. She was great. But, um, I, so I, I heard all of this and I thought, interesting, interesting. Did I do anything about it? No. Cause my main hobby was distance running at that time. And I put all of, it takes up a lot of hours when you're training yeah. for marathons yeah. and, um, running marathons. And, uh, so that was great. And that was my main hobby and I loved it. And I met people through it and I, it, it was a social life because I, I'm a slow runner. So it would take me four and a half, five, <laughs> uh, five and a half hours to run a marathon. So you could really have a long conversation with someone. Um, and, but then, um, I had a knee injury and a knee surgery and what they were able to fix that problem. But while they were in there, they uncovered a whole lot of arthritis, <laughs> which makes running very painful now. And so it's been like a years long process of going like, who am I? Cause I mean, like read, run, so those were the three things <laughs> in my um, Instagram title, because those were, those are like my favorite hobbies. And suddenly it was like, read and sew, but I'd barely sewn anything at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sewed my kids' costumes for Halloween and barely did anything. And um, so it was a very like identity crushing to go like, well, I'm not a runner. How can I call myself a runner when I can barely run? Um, and I haven't done a marathon in three-ish years now. Maybe it's more. I, I don't know. Um, so um, Yeah. So that I realized like through that, that it was like, oh, this is why you're supposed to have these things. Because like, for example, a lot of our identities is uh, our identity (laughs) we all share is um, as moms, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as Girl Scout leaders, as you know, at at some point that will, we're not going to stop being moms, but we're going to stop momming on a day-to-day basis, you know, when our kids go to college and get jobs. Yeah. Like hope. You know, we're never going to cease to be. Yeah. One would <laughs> but hope. it's, you know, it's definitely going to take up a lot less time. And so, 
Um, and, and the same thing with jobs, like a lot of people just their entire identity is their career. And at some point that either has to go away because, or, or sometimes it's just like you get laid off or, you know, life evolves, technology evolves and you're suddenly made redundant and there's no, that job doesn't exist anymore. And um, so it's, so anyway, that's what I learned that um, from this article and then through my own experience that you have to have like a bunch of different balls in the air so that if one's taken away, you're like, oh, I still have these ones here that I can juggle. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's interesting that you purposefully decided to, to build, really, to build hobbies. Right? Yeah, kind of. But I mean, it also just sort of happens organically because it's not like I was like, I shall become <laughs> a sewing person or whatever. It was like, uh, what happened is um, I, uh, um, Dana, she has a, a website made every day and she has all of these like simple crafts that people who aren't necessarily the craftiest can do. And I went on there to learn to do like simple things like I don't even remember what I learned from her initially, um, but she's like a really fun personality and she does very professionally um, done YouTube videos and that are just really beautiful aesthetic. And I got into watching that. And so I followed her on Instagram and in my early days of Instagram, I'm not sure if they were the early days of Instagram. I may have been a little late to the party. And um, she um, put out a call out for um, pattern testers for um, a kid's sweatshirt and at the time, my kids were um, uh, much smaller and they fit in a kid's sweatshirt. And she said, I want beginners too. And I thought, okay, this will challenge me to actually learn how to sew a garment. I'd never done anything other than like kids' costumes or like tote bags or, you know, like really basic. Um, not that actually, not that the costumes were basic, but they were once a year. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't really like developing my skills. It's like I develop a skill and then basically throw it against the wall and come back to it next year and feel the same sense of like, ah, what am I doing? And screaming yeah. and cursing and crying. And um, so it, with a pattern test, the pattern testing is basically a volunteer position where um, a designer will ask a bunch of people who know how to sew in varying levels of some beginners through more advanced um, to try her pattern and to show what it looks like on your, on your child or on yourself. Um, so that they can get a sense if their pattern is working out. It, like, oh, that doesn't look like what the design is supposed to be. I'm going to have to take it in by a couple of centimeters or whatever. And um, I thought, you know what? This is great because it gives me a deadline. <laughs> it's like a two-week deadline that I actually have to complete something. So I'm going to have to learn how to do this. Uh, and there was crying. and um, But then I did it, and I made my kids a bunch of sweatshirts that they actually wore to school. And oh, that's cool. were cute. Yeah. And um, I felt – so one of the – so then she um, came back with another, like, wanting um, – looking for her original team to pattern test for an adult um, version, like a, a woman's top. And I was like, oh, okay, you can do that? You can make <laughs> Your clothes? own clothes? Yeah, it, it literally, it's so crazy, but it didn't really occur to me. I just thought, okay, well, you know, moms make their kids clothes, sure. But I buy my clothes from Target mostly. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, on a quick whip through Target and it's like, okay, that looks good. And then grab it. And so I made myself a shirt in that. But for that, um, 
there was like a Facebook group, um, but like a private Facebook group where all the pattern testers like shared their pictures of how it was coming along. And then we like supported each other. And I, I found this amazing, amazing um, group of um, women who were just really fun. And like a lot of them were making their entire wardrobes. Like wow. they did, they had stopped shopping. And I was like, you can do that. Like, <laughs> wow. And um, yeah. And so then I, I got into it hard. So that was like in May of 2018 that I did that pattern test. And I, from then on, I have not bought an item of clothing other than bras, um, shoes, um, and bathing suits the first year. And then I learned how to make bathing suits last year. And I was like, oh, I'm never going back. Oh my God. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You make bathing suits? That's so hard to I do. I do. Well, I mean, it, it's like everything though. That's what I learned through this is that everything is like going to Ikea, like buying your furniture at Ikea. Like it's better if you have the money and, <laughs> and the means to order furniture and have it show up and placed where it's supposed to be. But we've all been at a place where at some point in our lives, whether it's college or whatever, where you get the Ikea stuff, you have to figure it out. You have like the wrong materials. They give you the little teeny tiny wrench that's supposed to work for everything. And you're like, ah, it doesn't work for everything. <laughs> work this way. And then you have these like really substandard instructions, which is like, okay, there's 10 steps, but this is like a 400 step piece it's, of furniture it's written in hieroglyphic, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. But then somehow you do it, you get it put together. And I mean, my God, I had this um, chest, like this wooden chest that I built for myself when I was single. And I, I mean, so many tears went into that Ikea chest, <laughs> but I loved that thing. I felt such pride in accomplishment. Um, and it's not like I did the woodworking or yeah, anything. Yeah. I didn't like chop down the tree and plane the wood or anything. You assembled. <laughs> I assembled it from Ikea, but I had such a sense of satisfaction. And it was my kid's toy chest for years and years until finally something broke off and we were like, you know what, this just doesn't really work anymore. Um, but I mean, I had it for like 20 plus years and it brought me such a sense of accomplishment. And I realized when I took up sewing that everything is like building that Ikea um, chest because really it's like, you know, baking is following instructions. Like, of course, there's art to be added to it and, you know, adjusting recipes and making something even better. But if you can follow, uh, and if you can follow a recipe or a pattern or whatever, if you can follow instructions, you can do most anything in life because at this point in life too, there's a YouTube tutorial for everything uh, like, the truth? for literally everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I feel like since our generation weren't, um, they call it, uh, is it like tech techno natives? Like, so our kids are techno natives where it's like, they grew up in the, the era of the iPhone and, you know, everybody having an encyclopedia in their pocket. Um, you know, you can do, you can find anything on there, but we, that's not my go-to. It hasn't been my go-to 
where I'm like, okay, well, how would I find this out? Who would I know or whatever? And then it's like, oh, there's a YouTube tutorial for that. Duh. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that at this point in life, um, really it's just, you know, the, the, the wider your imagination is like that you can do anything really. You right. just have to find the time, make the time and, and have the, and have the drive because sewing isn't for everybody, you know, not everybody wants to sure, sew well, all their clothes. Well, that's not the, 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 the point is not to sell people on sewing It's to sell people yeah, on yeah. hobby. Having a hobby is supposed to be really healthy for you. I don't think I have a hobby. So in my post uh, fall and break my face world, I'm trying to balance myself a little better. And, and so I was just curious about, uh, I have questions about your hobbies, even though your baking hobby is not a hobby, but still a hobby. <laughs> I think that Kathy's feeling about that though has more to do with, I think that sometimes it's like, well, but I'm making this for my family or I'm making this for my friends. So is this a hobby? Like we're consuming it or whatever, but it's still, it's, it's just sort of like all in the way that you look at it because yeah, sometimes I feel like, well, is this a hobby? Cause I'm not shopping anymore. Like, so it's just, I'm making my own clothes. Like it's, it's consumption in a way, but anything is a hobby it's sort of like the attitude that you go into it with if it's something that you brings you joy which I think baking brings you joy and you're not getting paid for it then it's a hobby right I guess technically I don't know it is hard to see it as a hobby um so what do you see it as I don't know just something I do I don't know <laughs> like it isn't that weird like I don't really know the definition of a hobby necessarily but well let's look it up I've so been- my thing about you, Kathy, is that you are, are you you bake you seem to bake constantly. Like th- yeah. there's never a time at your house where something <laughs> isn't baking, hasn't just been baked, or is preparing to be baked. I feel at all times, and so yeah, it is a pretty almost a daily occurrence in this house. Right. And so the other piece to the maybe not so hobby makes me think is that uh, my children and my family, if there's something not in one of those stages of being baked, they're very upset. <laughs> ah. So has it become a chore at this point? Because they're like, what do you mean? There's nothing to eat. Which of course is a very different statement than not having anything freshly baked to eat in this house. But well, that's something you set up because you're such yeah, a... Yeah, I know. Okay, here's the definition of hobby. Mm-hmm. An activity done regularly in one's leisure time for pleasure. So, is baking a hobby for you? I mean, I guess technically, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I do enjoy doing it. That's why I do it so frequently. I do yeah. enjoy... Uh, trying new things like that's the other piece of it is that it's as much of it as is repetition because people are like oh do this do that a lot of it is like yeah but I'm tired of that let's do something different let's try something new what about this Um, so I guess in that way it is a hobby because it is always uh, challenging and looking for something different it's problem solving like your home improvement yeah yeah you go huh there's crossover Say that again. Yeah. I think there's crossover in um, all skill sets. Like 
where it's like baking is a skill that you have and it's a hobby, but then it becomes a chore when it's like, well, just make those blueberry muffins. I want those blueberry muffins again. And you're like, oh, the blueberry nut muffins. Mm -hmm. I feel like that about like hemming pants or or like sewing badges on a Girl Scout um, vest where I'm like, okay, I have the skills to do this. Right. I, this is not a hobby for me. This is not fun. This is like, oh my God, I better get them on there because a chore, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Actually. That is yeah. a good point. That is a good point. Uh, leisure time is the part that's throwing me with the hobby. I don't <laughs> have a lot of leisure time. So I guess one would have to create leisure time in order to have time to have well, a hobby. Right. Yeah, but, but I don't here's know the thing, Leanne. I don't think that Kathy is made of lots of leisure time, and I certainly am not. No. Um, well, I think that's why Kathy doesn't think of it as a hobby, is because it's not leisure time. <laughs> but I also think, like, if you go back to your 888 book, mm-hmm. like, that also falls into that category. And I think that's what Kirsten was saying. There's sometimes that overlap, or sometimes baking is a chore because I have to feed my family. Mm-hmm. And right. sometimes it's fun and creative, and it falls into one of those two categories. So sometimes it's hard to see it as always a hobby. Right. Because it's not always leisure. Right. That's a really good point for those of you listening long time ago, very early in this podcast, I had read a book about sleep, sleep revolution by the woman, the Huffington Post. Ariana Huffington. Yes, her. Um, Thank you. And she had discovered that before um, industrial revolution, there was a theory in our culture where you should have eight hours for sleep, eight hours for work and eight hours for whatever you want. And we definitely culturally don't behave that way anymore. So I decided to kind of adjust my thinking about that. I just felt like it was, you know, six hours for sleep. (laughs) The rest of the time was work instead of going, wait a minute, I do Girl Scouts because I want to. So that's really part of the eight hours, whatever I want. And some of the stuff with my dogs goes in the eight hours of whatever I want. And some of it goes into work. And so I guess I had sort of gotten away from that thinking because I got on the hamster wheel of everything, every waking moment practically being work. It was not a hobby to teach eighth grade. That was not for me. That wasn't for me. That was a a part of your job. And so was, you know, the myriad of other things that got me overwhelmed was a lot of it was really not for me. It was really for work. So that is a really good point, Kathy. I'll have to start readjusting my thinking again, back to the 888. Um, starting with eight hours of sleep. So then what do you feel is the most valuable thing you get from your hobby or most rewarding? I don't know. I think it's like a creative outlet. Like I don't feel super creative in a lot of areas, but that is a little more creative, which is something that I think you need in your life. Like I think that stimulates a lot of things and is more satisfying. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like I could never sit down and write a book or a story or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm always so impressed with people who can do that. And like, that is so not in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. I think you do need some sort of creative outlet. Right. So I don't know. For me, this is what works in that way. Right. What do you think, Kirsten? Yeah, I agree. I think the creative outlet is huge. I think that just the feeling accomplished of accomplishment and like I made this, whether it's 
a plate of brownies or a pair of jeans, Mm -hmm. whatever, like that. It's like, wow, I, I did this. Right. This is me. So (laughs) I feel like I don't have a lot of sense of accomplishment in, in life. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Or accomplishment that is as measurable as I have taken this bolt of cloth and I have made a pair of jeans. That's a very measurable accomplishment. It's hard to measure. I have helped my daughter deal with anxiety. <laughs> it's really hard. That is an accomplishment, but very hard to measure. Uh-oh. Hold on one second. Yeah, and it's not finite. I think I like the finiteness of like, there is a beginning, a long middle, <laughs> yeah. and then an end. And it's right. like the end is like done, done, right. done, done. Mm-hmm. And with definitely with child rearing. <laughs> There's never any done. Like, I don't think there ever will. Like when we're 80 years old, I don't think there's going to be a done. No. So here are my, here, here, I'm going to lay out my negative thoughts about hobbies because I feel like other people may have negative (laughs) thoughts about hobbies. And I think that I should probably, I think that my podcast in some ways is a hobby. It doesn't make money. It is something that I do, I guess, in my leisure time or on my own terms. It has nothing to do with anybody else in this house. It is truly for me and it is a creative outlet. So I guess this in theory is a hobby. Um, even though I treat it in my brain as something much more important than a hobby, <laughs> which is so stupid because maybe a hobby should be as important as my podcast is to me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, it's that's not make- stupid that you take it seriously because it wouldn't be this good if you didn't take it seriously. Well, I do take it very seriously, but I guess growing up the way I grew up, there was not a lot of hobby from my dad or my mom. Really, I don't remember my mom having a hobby. I mean, she meditated, but that was a practice, which is a practice the same as a hobby. I don't know. Is yoga as a practice a hobby? Well, it depends if it falls into that definition that you read. Right. Is it something you do in your leisure time that brings you pleasure? Yeah. So I guess for some people. It could be. I mean, drop squad is, is a hobby, I guess. I go three days a week. I'm very committed. I, never, I have never missed a session ever since December, not one. Um, so I guess that could be considered a hobby. I wouldn't call it leisure. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very leisurely. It's very hard. <laughs> so I think, I think I'm seeing a pattern with me. I think my, my hobby activities are labor intensive. As opposed to just being kind of, but I guess baking and sewing are labor intensive. But I think it's your perspective that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You won't allow yourself to have leisure time. Right? That's right. Yes. Like you won't call your podcast leisure because you put so much work into it. Right. And so I'm still putting everything in that eight hours of work. <laughs> pretty much. Yes. <laughs> Same with Drop Squad. It is leisurely. Not that it's not easy because clearly it's not. No. But you enjoy it. You are doing it on your leisure time. You made time for that for yeah, you. That's true. But you still consider it work. Right. Yes. Well, here's my negative thoughts. So other people who may have negative thoughts can go, oh, that's the way I think too. And we can change our negative thoughts, right? What do I do with the shit when I'm done with it? That's one of the things I go. If I bake something, I got to eat it. Well, I don't want to eat it. So then I'm not going to bake it. I actually really enjoy baking too. But I don't bake because I don't want to eat it. So then I just don't do it. Um, I used to be into like silly little like string arts 
projects. And I will not do anything like that because I go, what am I going to do with it when I'm done? I'm going to throw it in the garbage. Another perfect example. We had to get recertified for CPR, the three of us, for Girl Scouts. So I did that and I was like, I'm going to do a puzzle while I'm half listening to my Red Cross because it is not something that you need to like, I mean, I've been certified so many times now. It's not like this is the first time I've taken this course. It's probably my fourth or fifth time. Yeah, we do it every two years. So yeah, yeah. it's a review. So I don't need to really be on top of that. But so I was like, I'll do a puzzle. As soon as the course was over, the puzzle went in the box incomplete because I was like, what am I going to sit here and just puzzle? I'm not going to sit here and puzzle. I need to be doing something else while puzzling. I've been trying this week to watch documentaries and I can't do it because I go, are you just going to sit here and watch a documentary? There's so much you need to be doing. This is ridiculous. And close the documentary. So um, what do you do with it when you're done? Like, what are you going to put a puzzle together and then what, put it back in the box? Well, that's what a waste of time. (laughs) But my brain goes, that's a waste. Where am I going to? Modge podge it and hang it on the wall. I don't think so. So I've just put a vacuum of time in a box. I took it out of the box. It sucks my time and I put it back in the box. I can't seem to shift off that mindset unless it's something that I can use of value. Like building that kitchen island with my dad, I enjoyed so much. And I, yeah, I was going to say that building is, mm-hmm. I think, is one of your hobbies and you don't think of it as a hobby because you're, it's very functional and you use that kitchen island every day. It's, it's yes. extremely productive, but you also could have easily bought a kitchen island or whatever. Yes. So therefore it becomes a hobby because it was something that brought you joy to build with your dad and continues to bring you joy because you use it every day and it's an amazing island and it's an amazing accomplishment. Right. Um, I think that for you, I have a lot of feelings about your puzzle and your okay, string art and all of it. I want, I want to it. hear all my flaws. I want to hear all of them. No, it's they're not flaws at all. I think it's bit, just. Um, I think you just need to like twist your brain like a Rubik's cube um, because for you, I think you feel the need for productivity at, during all hours of the day. And yes, if so. you thought about it as like, so doing a puzzle is mentally challenging and they say those sort of things stave off um, dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever. So if you thought about like as part of your wellness program, if mm-hmm. doing, I mean, don't do a puzzle if you don't like to do puzzles also. Well, I love but, puzzles. I love doing yes, puzzles. <laughs> if you love puzzles, then to go, okay, I'm going to leave this out and I'm going to, spend 15 minutes a day, even if I get no puzzle, no pieces accomplished. And the whole goal, you have to go into it knowing the whole goal is to tear it apart and put it back in the box. Eventually right. there, there is no like mod podging and whatever. It's just <laughs> the whole goal of it is to keep your brain active because like you're doing with drop squad, keeping our brains active as we age, when we're not in school for all these hours a day, it's really important as we age. So if you looked at it like that, it's still a hobby because do you need to do that puzzle? No. Do you need to go to drop squad? No, but you do because we need to do some sort of physical activity. We need to do some sort of brain activity. So I think it's just all the way that your brain works, like working with the way that your brain works. Um, Because I relate to all of that 100%. I love puzzles. And my kids got me one for Mother's Day um, that Vivian took a picture of these, this plant. And it's that 
the variegated yellow and green leafy plant. It's the heart. So it's like a personalized, it's based on a photo that she took this beautiful picture. It is impossible. It's impossible. (laughs) It's so hard. It's a thousand piece puzzle. That's all variegated yellow and green. And it's so hard, but it's like, and I haven't like, I I set it out one day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. But I'm the same way as you where I'm like, but you know, what's, what's the end result? The end result, it's going to go back in the box, but it's for, you have to build into your life, like some moments of pause for one thing. Otherwise, like you go like a steamroller and then you fall on your face and end up in the ER. Do you know what I mean? Like, so if you think about it, like it's, it's creating a pause in your life, but it's also creating like a brain activity. Like you're exercising your brain in that time. Maybe that could help you with that hurdle. Maybe. And then the other thing that I was going to say is that when I, one of my um, hobbies before sewing was knitting and forget it. um, (laughs) Not for me. And, but I was like, what am I going to have like a hundred scarves? Like what, you know, I I felt the same way. I'm like, I I don't need to, you know, I'm not going to knit myself a sweater. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? So I found this um, uh, volunteer organization called the Mother Bear Project where um, you knit bears. This is, breaks my heart. It's they, uh, volunteers knit bears. Um, these bear stuffed animals and they all go to different places, different countries, different orphanages in Africa and um, go to children who are in orphanages because the parents died from AIDS. Wow. um, So there was a sense of, it was something that I could wrap my mind around and go, okay, I enjoy knitting while I watch TV. I don't enjoy having a hundred (laughs) scarves. Right. <laughs> or whatever. I'm not really interested in pursuing this on a deeper level to do like really tough work. So like, okay, so I made a bunch of bears and sent them to there, but there are a lot of, you know, just, you don't have to knit bears, but my point is like, there are yeah. a lot of like crafty things or like baking wise. Like I know that Kathy gives a lot of her baking away. <laughs> I've seen it over the years. I've tasted it over the years. Um, so you know, there's, there's always some way to give it away. And then also to throw it away. If you want to try your string art and throw it in the trash, who cares? Like you can do something just for the sake of doing it. I have a hard time with that. (laughs) I do. I was talking to my dad's, uh, I call her wife. They're pretty much married. They've been together a long time. Um, yesterday about how she just wants my dad to just take a weekend off where he's not productive because for him, like a day off is building a fence to, to buy goats. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever built a fence It's fucking hard. It's really hard to build a straight, like it's not, it's not easy work. And he thinks it's leisure work, but in his brain it's leisure work. And at the end of the day, he's as exhausted as he is when he works a regular day at work. And he does this all weekend. He does this and all is retirement. And I find myself very similar where I, uh, there's no middle speed sort of, I'm having a hard time with the middle speed. You know, everything is go, 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 go. Well, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I don't know that it's always necessary. And I think I had gotten a, a bit more balanced before I started this freight train with Bert last fall. I think I got back into an old pattern 
which was put your head down and push through your day and get as much shit done as you can. And even though since I fell, I am doing really good with only doing two things on my to-do list a day. But that leisure part with, you know, I decided I would read for about 15, 20 minutes in the morning, at least 30 if I could. And I have been doing that. But there are some days where I go, really? You should be doing A, B, C, D, E. And then if you get to the reading, you get to it. So I struggle with giving myself permission to just stop and unplug and just do whatever I want. And I wonder if it's part of what I watched growing up. Another thing I watched growing up is my Aunt Carol. That woman could sew anything. And she would sew and sew and sew. And I felt like she had like a stack of stuff sewed. And then what do you do with it, right? You donate it to Goodwill or you give it to the church. And, and uh, I was like, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could just stack stuff up and then go, here you go. But I guess for her, it gave her so much joy, just the sewing. Um, not that I'm not a greedy person and wouldn't give stuff away. I totally would. I would totally bake a cake and give it to my neighbor. But I just, I don't know. Some of me, me feels like, well, that's just a waste of time. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I struggle with the same things that you struggle with about like taking time for myself a hundred percent. I, um, and I find that it's doubly so with this, um, pandemic schooling because uh, like right now we're all on zoom (laughs) in different rooms. I've got Richard in our bedroom, which where he's set up an office. Um, and so he's working. I've got Vivian in her room, school, Camille in her room in school. And then here's me <laughs> on Zoom. If I wasn't doing this, I, I have found myself doing more housework and like senseless housework and senseless just that I've ha- felt this overwhelming steamroller drive to like not sit down at all. And um, Richard and I started watching a TV show together a few weeks ago at night. And he was like, you know what, this is okay. But if you want to watch the rest of it, like, realistically like works out of control. I'm not going to, we're not going to be like staying up to watch a show at night. So if you want to watch it sometime when the kids are in school and I was like, what? <laughs> like <laughs> watching TV during the day, like <laughs> people do that. <laughs> That's allowed. Is that legal? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> because I, I go through the same thing. So what, so one of my workarounds, and I don't know if this is good advice, because I think that actually the advice should probably be to both of us to sit on the couch and read that book and to, and if your voice is telling you, I shouldn't be doing this, this is too much me time, blah, 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 then to just go shut up and to do it anyway, to maybe set a timer for the book. Instead, what I've been doing is listening to a lot of audiobooks. So I can be like, I'm cleaning, I'm doing laundry, I'm washing dishes, I'm doing all the things, but I'm also listening to books. So it's like right. me time and work time. It's a hybrid. Yeah. yeah. Hybrid. <laughs> hybrid model. <laughs> so, okay. I, I can see, uh, yeah, I see what you're talking about there. I could probably definitely clean and listen to an audiobook. That I could do a hybrid for sure. But Kathy, so Kirsten, you told us kind of how you got into sewing. So how did you get into baking, Kathy? How'd that start? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, It's actually started a long time ago. Stephen will tell you this very funny story when I was back in college that I made the worst apple pie ever known to man. It was just disgusting. Um, 
and probably thrown in the garbage. So we started from there. <laughs> but then what did you do? You didn't say, well, clearly I can't bake. What did yeah, you do? I don't know. It's just something that I've always liked doing. So I just kept, I figured like, you know, if you start at the bottom, you only got to go up, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> to get better. So, so were there no bakers in your family growing up? Um, let's see, not limited. Both my mom and my grandmother baked a little bit, but it was more like my mom was definitely out of the box. Like everything of her generation was sort of out of a box, even though she made dinner every day, there was a lot of like combining of like mm-hmm. products, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, although she was an amazing gardener and we always had like fresh vegetables like it was insane um but baking not so much and my grandmother had like a few specialties but like she made the most amazing applesauce which isn't really baking but kind of um processing yeah I guess (laughs) so uh no I guess nobody really did in my house I don't know I guess I just wanted to that's so cool so so it just kind of grew slowly over time yeah I think did you do you think it grew out of curiosity? Uh, maybe I think it also just grew out of um, I don't know if I want to say boredom or whatever, but I think once I started being a stay at home mom and had kids, like I started doing a lot of like um, like baking the kids' food or making their food from scratch or whatever. Cause I was like, why the hell would I pay all that money for processed crap? Like these are my kids, they're little and this is important and whatever. And it became like really important for me to not buy processed baby food or whatever. So I would make my own. So lame. (laughs) That's not lame. That's where my head was at the time. It's kind of lame. Like kids are just fine eating processed baby food. I'm just saying. but that's sort of where my head was. So it just yeah. became that. And it became like, I know I can do this better, or I know I can do it without having 8 million ingredients in it or whatever. Yeah. So it just cool. sort of grew from there, I think, over time. Right. And then, you know, and honestly, just having more time being at home with little kids, with, you know, not working. What else am I going to do? Okay, let's just bake something. So. But anyway, I was going to go back to, I know we sort of changed topics, but I was thinking, I was laughing because I built a puzzle last week. You did? <laughs> I did. Yes. I have no idea why. I mean, I love to, and I do, I do it maybe three times a year. Like it's so infrequent, but I pulled one out last week and it was very funny because I got really stressed by it. Like it was super fun, but then I was like, this is taking too much time. It's taking too much time. Why the hell is this taking too much time? Like, and I can't not finish it. Like I had to finish it. And it was, you know, a challenging thousand piece puzzle. And then like, but yeah, like when I was done, it got broken up and went back in the box. Cause what the hell else are you going to do with it? Like, that's the whole point of a puzzle. Yeah. Provide pleasure for a little bit and then put it away and do it again in two years or whatever. I don't know. But It definitely did bring me stressed towards the end. I was like, this is taking too long. I got to do something else. This is like a waste of my time. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, it was worth it. Yeah, at the beginning, (laughs) I was was not a thousand. There you go. That's the advice. Maybe, maybe, maybe. (laughs) In one day. Maybe. Um, Yeah, I I used to be the I must finish it 
person, like with the book and with the puzzle and everything. And with this, I was like, let's, let's face the music. This is going to be sitting on my dining room table for a month. I can't have it on my dining room table for a month. And my house isn't that big. You know, I don't really have, I have two enormous, rowdy, rambunctious dogs. So the idea of putting a folding table up and putting a puzzle on it, that thing's going to end up on the floor. I mean, there was so many times the puppy got up on the table because I was working up there to see what I was doing because he's a puppy and pushed half my puzzle off. And I was like, this thing's going back in the box. I can't leave it out. But but if I could have left it out, uh, I probably would have and just poked at it here and there for uh, two weeks and then put it in the box and complete <laughs> and angry. Well, I don't know. Bert and I talk about hobbies a lot because when Bert was in therapy, his therapist said, all you do is work. You have no hobbies. There is no discernible hobby in your life. You've now turned like work into a hobby, which is in some ways good, but you need to do something that has no value to anyone but you because that is what makes you healthy. So he started leather working and, you know, the thing about Bert and I that I don't realize, I think, is we are very similarly wired. If he is going to make a leather pouch, he is going to buy the supplies and sit down and finish that leather pouch in one sitting and move on and then never pick the leather up again. See, I did my hobby. Mission accomplished. He's never done leather working again, ever. And I think I am very much the same way where I go, oh, I'll get you a hobby. You ready? I'm going to do this and I'm going to finish it and then it's over. And then I don't have, and then I'm done. Right? So, but I think the thing about a hobby is like what the two of you do is something you do want to do over and over and over again. You want to build on what you've learned or, or um, you're curious about more uh, facets of that. You know, like I'm sure when you started baking the apple pie, you weren't thinking about making sea salt caramels at the time. But it, over time, you're like, huh, what about candy? What about this? What about that? And it kind of grows, right? But Leanne, I think that what you and Bert do, I think that still doesn't mean that it's not a hobby. I think that it's okay to have um, just to have a bunch of different, like to just try a bunch of different things. And that's okay to be a hobby too. Like Richard was talking about this when he said, you know, what are you podcasting about? And I said, hobbies. And he said, I don't have any hobbies. And I said, well, CrossFit is your hobby. And he said, yeah, I guess. But you know, other than CrossFit, like what do I do? And I said, but you try different things. Some people love to try new things. And mm -hmm. so, um, and he's definitely something like someone like that who would yeah, who would do like a leather working class or who would do like would just try something and be curious. And I think that that's okay too. I don't think that you have to like hunker down into a hobby. The problem when you hunker down into a hobby like Kathy has done with baking or I've done with sewing is that then um, people expect you to monetize it. And then sometimes that takes the joy away. Mm -hmm. So it's like flattering when people are like, oh, you should sell this stuff. But then at the same time, it all of a sudden adds all this pressure where I'm like, well, I just make what I like to make and I make it for my body. So I all of a sudden thinking about, you know, making it for other bodies and, you know, other preferences and whatever, it just stresses me out. And all of a sudden it's like a timeline and, a, you know, 
a job, this, the whole point of this is that it takes away the stress of work, <laughs> the stresses of life when you have a hobby that has no expectation. Right. Um, That's interesting. That's a good point. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, I definitely don't mind trying new things or if, 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 uh, they like I would take a cooking class or do anything like that, but but I don't know. I think there is a piece of it. There's a it's different being curious and having a hobby. Like, can I build a leather pouch out of leather? Yes, curiosity is is quelled. But that doesn't a hobby. I think is may not doesn't maybe it doesn't have to be the same thing, but it is something that's sort of repeated, right? That, but maybe it's just because you haven't found the thing yet that you want to repeat. You have to try a number of different things until you find something where you're like, oh, that leather crafting was kind of fun. I wonder if I could do this. Right. If it sparks more curiosity than just that one time product. Maybe that is. You found things that you'd like to repeat. Like you loved the climbing, the rock climbing class that we took. Yes, I did. You loved that. And you would totally do that again. I could totally see you doing that on an ongoing basis. Yeah, I would do that. Um, and I do like to camp. Um, I love camping. I just took Georgia camping and I was out there going, I don't know why I don't do this like once every two months. I love, I love to do that. Haul all my shit out in the woods and set it up. And I loved that. But, you know, that's, that's not as easy as walking into your kitchen, opening your cupboards and making something wonderful or going to your sewing lab. And, you know, that's, that's a different, I guess it's still a hobby, but it's sure is a lot more complicated. You know, I can't just go camping. I have to in advance book a spot and figure out where I'm going and make sure I have my dogs cared for. And at that point, that's too much work to have, you know, a day of pleasure. Then I go, well, forget it. That's too much freaking work. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm longing. Maybe I am longing for that which you have found which is something that I can do that's in my house like to be honest with you if I had if I had more appropriate tools I would probably do more woodworking but I don't have I don't have like a radial arm saw I don't have I have very basic power tools I don't have anything that helps me do anything you know more refined so that is something I would probably enjoy and do. I mean, I keep thinking about this chicken coop that I'm building at this new house. And I'm like, I really don't have the appropriate tools to build the coop I want. So then do I buy the tools and build the coop I want and then continue woodworking in some way? Or do I just pay somebody to do it? And then, and then it's just done. You know, that is something I think about a lot. I really enjoyed woodworking from a very young age. Um, and I just don't, I don't have the space. I mean, Kathy and I talk about this. Kathy, your husband is really big into woodworking yes. and that kind of stuff. But you, it takes some, a certain type of tools. Some of it is like pretty big and yeah. you need some space for it. So do you think at the new house you could make space? You definitely have a lot of yard there. I do have a lot of yard. I probably could. Um, I, I probably could. Yeah, I think I probably could make some space for a couple of more advanced tools. Um, so yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I was looking at your Instagram, Kirsten. I was thinking you're so lucky that you have something that you really enjoy that you do repetitively 
that's in your house that you can do for five minutes or five hours if you choose. That's a really that's really lucky. And I think, and same with you, Kathy, with baking. I think it's really lucky that you found something like that. I was shopping with Sandy the other day at um, this Italian like market. And she's so interested in all these products. And the whole time I was going, I could give two shits about anything in this thing. <laughs> give me like a jar of ragu and I'm good. Not really. But I was like, this is not, I don't care uh, to learn how to be a sophisticated cook. I like that we get Blue Apron. I open the box. I follow the directions. It's delicious food. I don't need to then, I don't then go, huh, I wonder how I could make my own blah, blah, blah. I don't have that curiosity. I guess I haven't found it anywhere. Not really. Only with this podcast, or I'm curious through this podcast, but it's not, I don't think it's the same as sewing or knitting or baking or woodworking even or or um painting or um playing mahjong or you know it's something that is truly just a frivolous for the enrichment of your soul you know even though this is enriches my soul it's not the same does that make sense yeah i think it's hard because your podcast relies on other people where sewing and baking does not. Like, we don't need anyone else to do it. We can do it whenever and wherever we want. And you don't have that sort of luxury with the podcast. While it provides some of the same things, you are dependent upon other people. That's very true. And equipment yeah. and Halston mm-hmm. and time scheduling and dogs right. and And crate. you're putting it out there as well, a product. Everyone- you know, you have all of yeah. these people listening to it. And so it's, you know, you have more pressure to deliver something professional than Kathy and I, you know, Kathy can throw some ingredients in and if it doesn't work out, she can throw it in the trash. And same thing with me with my fabric. It's like, well, I've just wasted fabric, but so what? Mm-hmm. Um, so and you no one has I to think, know about it. Right. Yeah. Right. But, and everybody knows about wife of the party. Well, I don't really think about wife of the party that way. I just think, uh, I just, I keep a clear intention. And then if, if somebody thinks it sucks, there's plenty of people who write me. This one guy who wrote me recently and was like, you are a clinger. You are just on your husband's coattails. Why do you think you have anything important to say? And who would ever listen to you? And I was like, okay, well, clearly you're not one of them. <laughs> and I don't ever claim myself to be an authority on anything just to have learned some things that I'd like to talk about publicly so that other people can go, huh? Yeah, maybe I should learn what? that. Too. But I was Why like, is he listening or taking the time to write to you. I don't know. Isn't that funny? That. I was like, well, clearly I struck some kind of chord because somebody would never have time unless they're just a very sad person. But yeah, you're right. This is not a, a self-contained right. and really, you know, Neither is camping because that requires, it's not like I'm in Georgia. I could go camping anytime I wanted in Georgia on, on the, my grandmother's farm. I could just go, hey, I'm going to pitch a tent in the backyard. Is that okay? Yeah. There's no, I don't have to call and there's no forest fire burning <laughs> me out of my campsite. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'm longing for something like that, you know, for some, something like that, that just has to do with me and and uh, requires, you know, no planning, no dog sitting, no, you know, like that. 
did you ever do the artist's way? Um, I that, started it. Yeah. Cause I remember doing that, you know, way back whenever that came out 25 years ago or whatever. And, um, she talks about going back to, um, things that you loved in childhood. Mm. And, um, so for me, it took, I mean, it took me like 45 years to discover that I was really into sewing. <laughs> um, Were you into sewing as a child? I, I wanted to, um, but I didn't really have the time or the money to invest in a machine and all of those sort of things. But what I was really into, um, when I was in middle school, um, my friend and I wrote the um, fashion column for the school newspaper. <laughs> I was really into fashion. As a preteen and teenager, I like I subscribed to all of the fashion magazines and was just like obsessed. I knew all of the photographers and models and designers and, and all of that. So in a lot of ways, this is sort of like a coming back to that time in my life. Um, which, you know, I'm not claiming to be a fashionista, my God, I'm like pushing 50. I'm not, you know, this is, you but it's you like, like, but it's bringing me back to the joy of that, of like, does it, you know, for so long, I was like trapped into the being a mom who shows up an appropriate mom. So just like a very nondescript grayish <laughs> outfit that isn't going to look threatening. I'm not going to be that mom who's showing up like, hello, you yeah, know, right? <laughs> but with my hat and my, my jewelry and accessories and my hair done and, you know, all this stuff. And which, you know, by the way, like more power to them, like yeah, yeah. to those moms. I just felt like I had to be a certain type of person that was palatable to all. And I think I'm realizing as I age and then just through rediscovering this passion, which really was in a lot of ways, a lost passion, like that it's like, Oh, well, I'm just going to like, I'm going to wear colors and prints and do my thing and take my crazy pictures on my front lawn, be the, you know, be the supermodel in my own Instagram. And so what, like, I'm sure there's so many people who are like, Oh my God, this is so age inappropriate. This is so cheesy. It's no. so, like, there's a million different things. And believe me, they all run through my head before I post. I'm always like, Oh God, I know. I know there are going to be so many people who like, this is just <laughs> too much. It's just too much. But I think that it's a really, you know, it really does bring me back to that, like that, 12 year old me who was writing the fashion column for Queens Mount newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is kind of what your Instagram post looks like. <laughs> a 12 year old trapped in a beautiful <laughs> middle-aged woman's body and soul. But I love that because you're so joyful in all your posts. It's just, you're just like emanating joy. It's really cool. It's it really make me happy. Well, it's, it's cool another that thing you're about sharing it too with other people, so other people can see that you know that you're proud of yourself. It's you know I think that's I watched this thing last night. I got sucked into Facebook. Mike Rowe, who you know the Dirty Jobs guy, Mike Rowe is doing a new show for YouTube called Ah Crap. I knew I would forget the name of it. I should have written it down. Um, basically, uh, his producers find small town do-gooders and they go and kind of interview them about how they do good and then they give them a cash reward for doing good and they can do whatever they want with that cash reward and the episode I saw last night was a 94 year old woman in Pahrumpf 
in Pahrumpf, Nevada, <laughs> who started a tap dancing school for the 50 over set. And she's 94. She's been teaching tap to the 50 and over set for like, I don't know, 25 years or something. And they were interviewing all these women and the women were saying, this is where my joy is. I am so happy tap dancing. And they do these little um, choreographed shows in full costume. Like they wear like Vegas girl, showgirl, age appropriate Vegas showgirl costumes and perform at veterans events. And then they'll charge a fee to perform and they donate their entire fee. So they do it for free. And, and it was the most, it was the most awesome thing because I thought this is all these women's hobbies. They rehearse three days a week and they tap their little butts off. And every single woman he interviewed was like, this changed my life. This absolutely changed my life because it's for me and it is all about joy and positivity. And I thought, that's what I'm talking about. I need to, I mean, coincidentally, we had already set up this podcast about hobbies, but I just happened upon that video last night and I was like, I want that too. Like that, that's what we should be having. Like you're saying, when things go away, you could tap dance sitting in a chair if you're unstable on your feet in that arena uh, where you're 50 plus and I'm sure if someone were injured she would let them sit in a chair and tap dance <laughs> because it's about being together and about tapping and of course I imagined all of my friends in the age-appropriate 90-year-old Vegas showgirl costumes <laughs> thinking how fabulous would that be um, but yeah I think I am starting to long for something like that like sewing and the obvious joy that you portray in every photograph I would like to feel that too about something that is just frivolous and just maybe just me I mean maybe that's the point too is maybe this is the bigger point huh it's interesting how you learn in life isn't it I have always been a collaborator right and I wonder if part of collaboration I mean, I'm really good at collaborating. Um, I'm an awesome collaborator with Bert. I think we collaborate great as a Girl Scout troop. I collaborate with my contractor on my houses. I'm collaborating with the person helping me with my kitchen design. I'm an awesome collaborator, great team player. But my mom always said this to me. And even though my mom is not always the best, sometimes your mom knows you best. She's always said, you never believe in yourself to do anything by yourself. So maybe that's accurate. Maybe a hobby for me is about just being for me because I didn't set up a podcast where I sit and talk to a mic in a mic. Bert wanted me to do that. And I tried one episode and I said to him, I feel actually dirty. Like, I feel like I need to shower. That was disgusting. I'm not going to sit and talk in a microphone for me. I know other people do it and it's awesome. Um, but for me, it makes me feel gross. Like, that's gross. I don't need that. But you're right. This is a collaboration. I have different collaborators every week. Uh, even if my collaborator is Halston, I still have a collaborator. But I don't do anything totally by myself. Not anything. So maybe that's what I'm longing for. It's something that belongs just to me. Interesting. I do read by myself, but I mean, that's a little bit different, you know, 
I think reading is reading, you know, everybody on the planet pretty much can read, but I wonder if that's what is bothering me about it is that maybe that's what I need is something that's just for me because I have never had that ever. Not ever. I mean, even the the thing I was best at when you're talking about what were you good at as a kid was water skiing. You can't do that by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I was an excellent water skier. Can't do it by yourself. (laughs) So I I can't think of really anything I did by myself. Um, I drove a mean go-kart. Man, I could drive a go-kart into the ground. (laughs) That was by myself. But I don't know how I would translate that to now. <laughs> I drive a mean carpool. Let me tell you, I can run you off the road like that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I think that's what my, what I'm searching for is what is your joy has to do with you alone. Where do I have that? I don't know. Good question. I don't know. Maybe that's my journey. Find a <laughs> One of many journeys. <laughs> One of many. I know. Can I think I should I should claim myself to be a journeyman? <laughs> I think I am a journeyman. <laughs> Just I don't go very far. And there's, and there's your hobby. Wow. <laughs> Nothing but a journeyman. <laughs> <laughs> the journey's all here. <laughs> Does that make sense to you guys what I said about not ever doing anything by myself? <laughs> You know, it's interesting because you are uh, very much a leader in so many ways. So it's interesting Mm. that you feel like you're not doing anything for yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? I had that same thought that Mm. I was like, you're such a leader. So Mm -hmm. it is interesting to think about you as a collaborator. I see what I see where you're going with that. Like, Mm. but yeah, I think you're seeing as a leader, but you see yourself as a collaborator. Well, but a leader has to have people to lead. A leader doesn't just lead oneself, typically. I mean, thank you for the compliment. I don't feel myself as a leader. I feel myself as more of a fire hoser. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get this done. Let's get this done. But I'm never by my, you know, even if uh, the term is a leader, there are people with the leader. So that's not, and you know what's interesting about that too is I spend a lot of time alone and I do alone run a lot of stuff, but I don't give myself frivolous alone. That's the difference. Is every every alone has some kind of purpose or agenda. Right? That's mm-hmm. the difference. Is and even when we're collaborating for I really don't see myself, I, I guess I don't really see myself as a leader. Uh, I see myself as a collaborator. Completely. Um, Bossy, maybe, but I don't know about leader. (laughs) But uh, um, yeah, I think that's, I think this is the bottom, uh, this is the bottom I was looking for. This is the answer I was looking for, why it's been bothering me. Because it's really, you know, when things bother you, there's a reason why they're bothering you. So why is it bothering me that I, I, I see these hobbies happening and it bothers me that I don't have one? Not that I need your hobby or that I'm envious of you having your hobby, just that I feel now like that is lacking for me. And why? 
I think that may be the why. I think I have never really done anything frivolous by myself. Not really. I can't remember doing anything frivolous by myself. Maybe I did. Maybe if one of my family members who listens to this can remember, remember you used to blah, 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 all by yourself. Please remind me because I can't, nothing's coming to mind. What about like writing though? I mean, I know you used to do that with others, but I mean, that definitely falls into your definition of frivolous category. Just writing? Yeah. Writing? Yeah. I mean, that is something that brings you pleasure. You can do at home on your own terms that no one ever has to see if you don't. That's true. Yeah, I could. But like you don't allow yourself. You've been talking about it for a long time, but you don't allow yourself to actually sit down and write. No, I don't. And, you know, part of it is I'm afraid to do that because when I was writing before, I am, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, I'm a very intense person <laughs> from time to time. And the way I used to write was really immersive where I would sit down and write for like eight, 10 hours a day, six days a week. And I've tried to write in like a more regimented and I get really frustrated because with writing, it takes a minute, or at least for me, to kind of get in the flow of writing. And then I don't want to be interrupted. I don't want to stop. And inevitably, you're interrupted, and it pisses me off. And then I go, well, then fuck it. I'm not doing it. That's what's happened in the past. Life now may be less like that. So I could, should probably revisit it. But that was what happened for me with writing a lot, is I feel like I need to go in a room and close the door and nobody talk to me until I'm ready until I'm done. And that's just not realistic at this moment when my, you know, I'm teaching biology (laughs) (laughs) and uh, reading the cast of Amanta, cask of Amontadillo to my daughter who goes, I have read this three times and have no idea what this is about. I read it once and go, me neither. Let's read it one more time. (laughs) So, but you're right. Writing could be that. I should explore that and see, even if I just start small and say, just journal about something. I've never been a journaler. Maybe I should just write down my thoughts and feelings for the day or my intention for the day. Some kind of small, completely doable. That's another thing I do. I don't know if you've noticed this. Why don't we go to the Grand Canyon and rent donkeys as a Girl Scout troop and go down to the river and whitewater raft? You know, you're like, maybe you just need to drive to the Grand Canyon and look in. And then drive home. Maybe that's enough. But maybe we should learn to rock climb in one day and then climb three major mountains in one day. That's kind of how my brain works. Maybe I need to downshift my brain a little bit and say, just write down your thoughts for the day and start with that and see where it leads you. I do write a lot in my brain while I'm driving and when I'm in quiet places, I'll start writing and I'll go, fuck, I wish I had time to write this down. This is really good. And then I just don't ever go write it down. So that's a really good suggestion, Kathy. What if you um, dictated those thoughts when you're writing in the car? Um, What if you just, you know, hit the voice memo on your phone and just blah, blah, blah it out. And then so your job for the day is to just transcribe that. You could do that. Or whatever. And then it's like at the end of a month, a couple of months, you have these little pieces that you're like, huh, do I want to write more on this? Do I want to deep deep dive into one of these? I don't know. It's a really good idea. You know what? It just came to mind. Uh, I was talking to uh, another mom in the neighborhood who is taking a 
a UCLA Extension creative writing class. And she's oh my, like, which one? Oh my God, we got to talk. You now. are? Okay. Yeah. I'm, well, I start on October 6th. Yeah. She's in it now. She's been in it all okay. in the summer, I think. Okay. But she's a psychologist and she took it for fun, for a hobby. And it's about um, this particular creative writing class, I guess, is about writing a story. It's like storytelling. So they uh, have asked her to look for stories in her life to write as a story, like as a written piece. And she said she's enjoyed it so much because it's something from her life and it's helping her, you know, just gives her an incentive to put pen to paper. And um, in this conversation, she had asked me how Bert and I met. And I told her the whole story about how Bert and I met. And she went, that would be a perfect story for my class. Maybe you should take this class and write the story in the class. So maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe I'll involve. maybe you should take the class with me. I was six, class right? I know, but then now I'm with you again. Now I'm collaborating again. Now it's not, it's not a collaboration though. It's not a collaboration. Right. It's everybody's writing their own thing. You're I'm taking a memoir class. Oh, you're taking yeah. a memoir class. That's cool. Yeah. What'd you say, Kathy? I said you're only in the same like Zoom squares. Like you're not collaborating. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Well, maybe I'll get that information from you. How do you? Uh, I'll get a, how, how to find out. I have no idea. I mean, I'm I'll sure it to you. Out. But um, okay. Any advice for anybody thinking about starting a hobby? Since you're hobby experts, <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to Leanne's negativity. <laughs> <laughs> I know I felt very negative in this, but you know what? I I think that I I needed to kind of figure out why I was feeling that way. Sometimes you need to be negative. So you can, I am not a negative person for sure. And anytime I get into negativity, I go, something's going on there. What's going on there? Why are you feeling that way? So something's amiss. Um, so I'm glad I we talked that, about I think that Kathy and I are both in some ways in your camp where it's like, well, we need to be productive. Like we're not just, it's not like we're just doing something like. No, 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 no. I think we found a way to make it like productive slash hobby. So it's like Kathy is baking, but she's baking for her family or mm -hmm. baking for, you know, like it's like being productive, like, well, they've got to eat. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, here you go. And for me, it's like, uh, you know, having these constraints of like, well, I don't buy clothes anymore. So, right, right. you know, or like doing these pattern tests where it's like, well, you know, I've committed to doing this for this designer. So, you know, I have to do it. It's like making it work, like turning it into work <laughs> where it's like, it's not work. I did not need to volunteer for this. I do not need to sew another, whatever the thing is, but um, that's a way that I've done the work around in my brain to go, well, I have to do this. I committed. So, so I see what you mean. You yeah, kind of, yeah, it's your perspective. That in that 888 thing, I'm glad you brought that up again because uh, you're depending on your situation, you're putting it in work or putting it in for me and keeping the perspective accurate. So I think maybe that's another lesson for me today is sometimes my perspective goes all, I skew all into work. My whole life skews into work and I need to start pulling things back out because it makes me feel better. Not because the work's any different, but because my perspective makes me feel better. So that's a great reminder. Thank you for that. Um, because 
I think I did stop. I did start pushing everything back into work because really everything was work for a long time. And now that it's kind of calming down, I'm still in that little work area. So, but anyway, the working by myself is important. And I think I may look into that writing class. I think maybe that's what I need because, because it is like, it's an accountability. Like you're saying with your pattern, uh, testing and Kathy with, I got to make food for my family anyway. There's some accountability for that. So maybe that's how you start the hobby. The hobby starts with accountability and grows from there. I was just thinking that. I was thinking that this also uh, gives you permission. It doesn't put it immediately in the frivolous category. Right. right. So it's easier for your brain to go like, yeah, but I signed up for this class. If I don't have this assignment done, like I can't not do that. So right. yes. this is helpful. Yeah. Right. And then it can hopefully transition into more frivolous. Right. That's smart. Very mm-hmm. smart. You ladies are very smart. <laughs> so are you. I pick smart ladies. Um, okay. Any other comments about hobbies? Is there any hobby that you would like to try that you have never? I mean, there's a lot of things in life I would like to try. I don't know if any of them would ever become a hobby. I think it's kind of like the Richard thing where you're like, sure, I'll try that. I'll do that. Like there aren't many things that I don't want to try, but I don't know that anything would necessarily become a hobby. Right. But. What's one thing? I agree, Kathy. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like I would love to like take hip hop class, like. (laughs) <laughs> being like a, an ongoing thing, but it's like, you know, right now, is that yeah. happening? I guess I could look up a Zoom one or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I want to try a lot of things. And yeah, and I guess like there's a certain organic thing to like something becoming uh, an yeah. actual hobby versus like a trying it a bunch of times. And I guess that's right. It's like it sticks. It does have to be organic. That's the thing. You you, the, you can try it, but if it doesn't organically grow from there, then that's not your hobby. It wasn't meant to be your hobby, but I guess you would never know till you try. Right? Yeah. Well, thanks for talking about this today. I appreciate it. Sure. I can't wait till we can do this in person again. Oh, my goodness. I'm tired of seeing you people on Zoom. It would be so nice, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. It would Human be contact. Really, yeah. yeah. It would be really great. Someday. 2025. i'm really negative today right 2025 all right well enjoy your day are you doing any hobby today (laughs) um writing for me today and hopefully some sewing yeah kathy are you baking uh, probably not today. I have like 8 million other things. I don't know what happened. Like I was really loving this quarantine where like life slowed down, but I feel like it's all of a sudden got fast again and I'm not really enjoying it, but I have like this laundry list of things that has to be done today. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I'm not super thrilled about it. So. Yeah. I have days like that too, where I go, hold on, we are going at warp speed. I yeah. thought we were supposed to slow down. Well, Kathy, um, uh, I I poached her hobby and I have forced her, not really, but I asked her to make some gift baskets for some of Bert's business associates and I asked her to make an additional basket for my house. <laughs> the meringues are gone. <laughs> totally gone. Uh, yeah, I heard actually. Did you hear? 
Isla was texting Lily and she said, those pink and white thingies were really good. <laughs> I know. Yesterday, she has, is, being a teenager, is refusing to eat breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. And I'm like, okay. Well, lunch for her is like 2 p.m. So she's waking up at 9 and putting no food in her body and is a nasty, nasty asshole. And so I've just started bringing her food and sitting it on her desk and going, you don't have to eat it. I just thought, you know, I just put it there. So yesterday I brought her, um, I made homemade coffee cake, uh, which is her favorite. So I made coffee cake and I had uh, like a piece of coffee cake, some mango and a pink and a white, a raspberry and a vanilla meringue and brought it and put it in. She was like, I told you I don't eat breakfast. And I went, fine, I'm just going to sit it here. And if you, you know, if you want, and she was like, what's the pink and white thing? I said, those are meringues. And Kathy made them homemade. She goes, oh, I'm not going to eat them. I don't even like meringues. And I went, okay, you don't have to, but it's there in case you, you know, a little nibble. You got fruit. Yeah, you, just a nibble. I come back in, both meringues are gone. <laughs> like two hours later, the box is half empty. And this morning I woke up, box is empty. Both boxes were empty. She wiped those meringues out. That's, That's hysterical. That was pretty funny. I do not eat breakfast. I told you. It's like, oh my God. All right, Linda Blair. Tell you, your, your other daughter texted me and I'm not going to tell you what time the text came in, but she's like, um, excuse me. I thought Pop-Tarts were being made. <laughs> I didn't get any. It was like wrong basket. <laughs> Like okay, hi hi, Captain. You'll be getting some soon. <laughs> uh, I had a suspicion that she was up very late last night, so I'm assuming this text came in very late. It was this morning, not yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I knew that, so not because of you, but because yeah. I knew that she's uh-huh. losing her phone today at a mm-hmm. certain time of day. As last night, I thought I have a new puppy who. Um, doesn't like it when people are awake when we are trying to sleep. So if they're up in the house, he will bark at them. Like he's going, go to bed. Don't you know what time it is? Go to bed. And so he was barking last night at 1.15. And I went, George is still awake. It was before that, but. Yeah, but I knew she was, I knew she was, and I'd already told her, you need to be off your phone by 11, which I think is really late. Mm-hmm. by the way. And their argument was, if I go to bed at, at midnight, I'm getting up at 8.30. It's eight and a half hours sleep. And I keep saying, but you need nine to 10. You need 10 hours sleep. And I cannot, this has become an almost immovable, ridiculous. In this household too, same thing. And then it's the eye roll. I, you only need eight hours of sleep. I'm like, no, actually that is not accurate. Not as a teenager. Right. It's the same flipping argument in this house. Midnight is like an acceptable bedtime. I'm like, it's not. It's not. Not at my house either. No. Yeah. Uh, no same here. I keep exactly. saying the same thing. This is, to me, I would like you in bed at 1030. And both my kids are like, that is ridiculous. That is completely undoable. That is not going to work for me. There is no way. 1030? What am I, five? And I was, and then one of Georgia goes, 
so-and-so, one of my friends, mom, makes her go to bed at 9.30. And you know how much shit we give her for that? We make fun of her incessantly because she's in the bed at 9.30. And ultimately, she sneaks her phone and calls us anyway. And is up till 1 o'clock in the morning anyway. So hadn't you rather I just be honest with you than sneak? And I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, what do I want? Oh boy. I want the phone off at 10. Mm-hmm. I want you in the bed at 10.30, asleep by 11. That's what I want. And then you get up at eight. I mean, their school doesn't start till nine. So if she mm-hmm. can sleep till 8.30. That's nine hours sleep. That's what I want. Yeah. It's completely unreasonable, by the way. <laughs> I am such an asshole. Yes. Are you also an asshole? <laughs> what time do your kids go to bed, Kirsten? What, 9.30? Uh, <laughs> I try to get it going um, earlier, but no, they're they're staying up late. They're not, I mean, I hope they're not staying up until midnight. To be honest, I don't really know because I, I'm an old lady and I was sort of born an old lady. Like I, I always go to bed early. I'm always, I was always the first one to fall asleep at a sleepover when I was a kid. So, um, (laughs) last one, um, (laughs) (laughs) well, I'm glad to know and not glad to know that it's happening other places too, because uh, it's really, really frustrating. And I told them last week, phone's off at 11. If I find that you're on your phone past 11, I own that phone at 11. I will take it from you. They spend, I feel like I can't take it from them unless they do something really major because that is their only connection to their social life. And social life is so important. So that's my boundary. And last night was the first night I had a, I sniffed it out. I was like, she's totally on her phone. Yeah. Totally on her phone. Phone goes on my desk now tonight at 11. Maybe I should do 10. Maybe she will then go to bed at 1030 because she's got nothing else to do. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you ladies for talking about this. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. I miss you. you. And we'll see I you. Again. you too. And send me that stuff about that class, please. I will. I will. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Have a good day, ladies. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.